0: Section 43, Volume 3, Chapter 6, of Mrs. Armitage, or Female Domination, by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter 6 And when the morning came, serene and dim with early showers, her quiet eyelids closed, she had a happier morn than ours. Tea Hood it was a night of deep and heartfelt agony for all but there were no bursts of frantic emotion beside the deathbed of sophia armitage those who loved her knew that she must die and prayed not that her life might be prolonged they prayed only that all human suffering might be spared her that the cup might pass away that heaven would deal gently with one of its chosen ones whom it was calling to itself and their prayers were heard the breath of the dying grew fainter the eye more dim the icy hand more cold but no throb of anguish seemed working within once only towards morning her mind seemed to wander and raising her head suddenly and wildly from the pillow she exclaimed edgar do not come to disturb me now do not do not disturb me i am content i have forgiven you edgar do not disturb me her brother started at the words and a new light seemed to break upon his mind but mrs armitage covered her face with her hands and groaned aloud dr grant more self-possessed than either kneeled down beside the sufferer and by the soothing sound of a prayer familiar to her ears a prayer for divine support lest for any pains of death the soul should fall from god recalled the wandering spirit sophia never spoke again a slight convulsion in the closed hands folded in prayer upon her breast alone indicated the moment when her struggle was over and heaven was all in all the morning light was just struggling in upon them when that fatal movement became manifest and involuntarily all present fell on their knees and prayed as if an angel were among them but when on rising from his devotions the haggard eyes of arthur rested on the fallen countenance the creature of clay which alone remained to him of the kind warm-hearted fond endearing sister the gentle friend "'the forbearing counsellor. "'His feelings would no longer be controlled, "'and throwing himself on the bed beside her, "'he wept and cried aloud, "'Why was all this concealed from me? "'Why was I not sent for? "'Why was I not permitted to be near her? "'She wished for me, she wailed for me, "'yet I was kept in ignorance of her condition. "'Her brother should have been with her from the first. "'Her brother would have comforted her. "'Sophia!' my own sophia why did you suffer yourself to be removed from among us mrs Armitage could not but hear the ejaculations of her son but she answered not a word the tears were sealed in her eyes the sorrow iced her heart she seemed transfixed to stone dr grant suggested that after so many nights of watching she should retire to rest and she obeyed, as if conscious of the necessity. Yet when she had shut herself into her own apartment, her steps were heard, pacing the floor. It was plain she could not rest. Towards evening, when all had been disposed in order in the chamber of death, the watch-lights placed, the winding-sheet enshrouded round the frail, attenuated form, the sweet, sweet face enveloped in lawn less white than its own more than marble paleness dr grant aware that the bereaved mother slept not and trusting to subdue the demon of restlessness by which she seemed possessed by the influence of that touching spectacle invited her to the mournful room at first she refused But when called upon, in the name of heaven, to come and listen beside the bed of death to the promises of the gospel unto such as die the death of the just, she could not but obey. She followed him mechanically, mechanically listened to his words. He saw with pain that they reached not her heart. But at such a moment, how could such a man conceive that she had hardened it while listening to the involuntary reproaches of her son. And soon, other arrangements, those importunate forms which come so inopportunely to harass the house of mourning, required attention. It was necessary for directions to be issued, yet Arthur dared not spare his mother the painful task of exercising her authority. "'Let everything be done in the most liberal manner,' was her reply to the interrogations of Dr. Grant. Let every outward respect be paid. I wish my daughter to be buried with her family at Holywell. But the good pastor, averse to the pomps of death as to the pomps of life, suggested that Miss Armitage might perhaps have expressed wishes of her own on such a subject, that she might have left a will. She had no will but mine, was the too fatally true rejoinder of Mrs. Armitage, still as she had recently attained her majority dr grant began such if you will hastily interrupted mrs armitage amazed that for the first time the power of volition should be attributed to her departed child i own it will surprise me if but no matter let her desk be opened in my presence and the first thing that presented itself was a will placed so as if intended to meet their immediate search, dated several months back, and proving that, from the first, Sophia had foreseen the fatal issue of her illness. Instead of requiring every outward respect to be paid to her remains, she made it an especial request that all might be done in the simplest manner, consistent with propriety, that she might be laid in the church wherein she had been accustomed through life to worship God. She thought not of it as the burying place of her ancestors, and borne to the grave by the poor of her mother's village. Yes, even in that melancholy page, she forgot not to designate Holywell as her mother's village. Her fortune was bequeathed to her little niece, with the reserve of one-third, disposed of in legacies to her protégés, the Grant's. To her old nurse and to her personal attendants, to her mother she bequeathed her thanks—those thanks which Mrs. Armitage had not been present to gather from her dying lips. For what gift or treasure else was there to offer the fortune-laden mistress of Holywell? Yet even that bequest was qualified by a touching petition—that she would be kind to Arthur and Marian. They are now your only children was the form of the entreaty give them not only your protection but your love and confidence for you know not dearest mother how it freezes the heart to know that one is cared for as a duty not cherished as a delight love them mother for they are deserving your utmost affection my young friend was evidently unaware observed dr grant as with a subdued voice he recited aloud the terms of the will of which himself and arthur were named executors that this instrument intended for the perusal of her family alone must be publicly enregistered to secure its validity and again mrs armitage hardened her heart she was not only to be admonished by her children "'but their counsels were to become subject for the commentary of every clerk in doctor's commons. "'It seems I have no further instructions to give. "'No further wishes to express,' said she, rising with frigid mien to quit the room. "'I am ready, meanwhile, to obey the summons of my daughter's executors "'whenever they have made their arrangements. "'And from that day till the morning on which the funeral cavalcade quitted Clifton,' she did not leave her chamber or admit arthur to her presence her son was shocked when she issued forth at last in her mother's mourning on the appointed day to see what ravages emotion had made in her appearance the rigidity of her features the pallor of her complexion but dr grant was far more shocked to witness her impenetrability of spirit to see that she grieved with the pride of a stoic not with the humble-mindedness of a Christian. Now was not the moment, however, to reprove her when she was following the body of her child to the grave, but he felt that a time must come when it would be his duty to wrestle with the unamended hardness of her heart. It was at once an afflicting and a cheering sight to behold that funeral procession with its nodding plumes and flowing scarfs of white, white as the purity of her it served to convey to the dust enter the village of holywell. The road was strewed with flowers every garden far and near had been despoiled to do the last honours to one who had not left behind her the memory of a good action neglected a single unkind word a single look of harshness every window every door in the village was closed. THE BUSINESS OF LIFE SUSPENDED, THE PLOW WAS STILL IN THE FIELDS, THE SHEEP-BOY'S SONG ON THE HILLS, YOUNG AND OLD, IN ONE MIGHTY YET SILENT AND REVERENTIAL THRONG, WERE ASSEMBLED IN THE ANCIENT AVENUE TO SEE THE bier OF THE ONLY DAUGHTER OF THE HOUSE OF HOLYWELL, borne FORTH ON THE SHOULDERS OF THE ELDERS OF THE VILLAGE. SAVING THE STIFLED SOBS OF THE POOR, NOT A SOUND WAS HEARD till dr grant with his head bowed down with irrepressible grief came forth from the church portals to welcome the dead in those words of christian exaltation that seemed to speak as with a voice from the grave every seat was already filled when the body was borne into the aisle the rotherham family in mourning as for a child of their own were weeping apart and lord Greta who had come down from london to pay the last homage to the object of his unavailing affections stood folded in his cloak pale as an image of despair supporting arthur on his arm as they stood together at the mouth of the vault when the dust was shaken on the hollow coffin of her they loved it had been difficult to determine which were the nearer kinsmen the deeper mourner it had been the express desire of Mrs. Armitage that Marian should not be summoned from Scarborough to attend the funeral, and her wishes, even if unreasonable, were at such a moment to be implicitly obeyed. It was also her desire that her son, immediately after the ceremony, should proceed to join his family, and Arthur, perceiving his mother had set her heart on being alone at Holywell, in order, as he concluded to feed her affliction, or soothe it by reminiscences of her lost child, would not remonstrate. But he felt too harassed, too overwhelmed, to proceed at once on his journey, and readily accepted the affectionate proposal of the Rotherhams made through Dr. Grant that he should pass a day at Greta Castle to recover his strength and self-possession. No explanation was due to Mrs. Armitage. Having taken an affectionate leave of her, he proceeded to the roof of those who, if they loved him not better, treated him, at least, with more of parental tenderness than his mother. But Arthur had chosen ill for his happiness. On certain subjects, Marian's affectionate lips were sealed even towards her husband. She would have said nothing to him, reflecting on his mother's disposition. But Lady Laura's impetuous character could not be controlled. Stung to the soul by the loss of that beloved friend, whom she had trusted would in the end become her sister, by the agony of the brother whom she loved and honoured, and who, unable to bear even the society of his family at such a time, had returned from the church door to town, she spoke out, upbraided the peremptory temper of Mrs. Armitage as having silenced the complaints and stifled the confidence of Sophia upbraided the despotic dealing which had bowed so frail a flower to the dust the entreaties of lord and lady rotherham could not silence the outpouring of her grief she felt that her friend had been sacrificed she said so she would not recant many months before sophia had admitted her earnest desire to quit holywell for a change of air and scene ere it was too late but only a few weeks since "'Only since her arrival at Clifton "'she had written confidentially to her friend, "'I am dying, dying of misery. "'The iron has entered into my soul, "'and all the exertions I feel it my duty to make "'avail not to heal the wound. "'I am lonely here and most unhappy, "'but I dare not write to my dearest brother. "'I dread being moved to say something "'that might excite his feelings against my mother.' For my sake, when I am gone, be kind to him, and as good and true a friend to Marian Armitage as you have ever been to me. With what bitter tears were these lines, traced by the weak, faltering hand of his dying sister, shaped by Arthur. He began to fear that some mystery had been concealed from him. He dare not inquire. He dared not conjecture he dreaded, lest some unforeseen discovery should prompt him to act harshly towards his mother, for she was too much in his power not to have the utmost claim on his generosity and forbearance. End of Volume 3, Chapter 6